Welcome to the Teachers Unify podcast. I'm Sarah Lerner. On this episode, we'll hear from Santiago Mayer, Executive Director of Voters of Tomorrow. He shares the organization's origin, what young people can do to speak out about issues that matter, like gun reform, and why he feels so strongly about educators. We are joined by Santiago Mayer, who is the Executive Director of Voters of Tomorrow. Thank you very much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. I usually start with who you are, your background, all of that. But I would like to jump right in, if that's okay with you, and find out how Voters of Tomorrow came to be. Like, what is its origin story? I, I, I love I love this because it's so ingrained with like who I am. Yeah, so I, I'm originally from Mexico City. I grew up in Mexico. I moved to the U.S. when I was 15. But before I moved, I was really involved in Mall United Nations. I was uh, secretary general for my school's uh conference I, I i did did as many as i could and i was really like a big international politics nerd and when i moved to the united states it was in 2017 it was in the middle of the trump administration and in the middle of the muslim man which like obviously had some very significant uh consequences for like the way that the u.s interacted with other countries and I had been following American politics for a while. Uh, I, I kind of got tuned in when Donald Trump said that immigrants from Mexico were rapists, murderers, and drug dealers. So th- I had been following it for a while. I felt that I understood it. And like it's something that I really want to talk about. And I realized that most people in my classes, most of my friends, either didn't know what was happening or didn't have the tools to talk about it. Uh, but if you know one thing about me is I can't shut up. So I had to get my opinions out somehow, and I started tweeting my opinions. And I, for whatever reason, built a following. And as we were getting closer to the 2020 election and seeing really how important young people were going to be to the 2020 election, I decided to kind of use that following to solve the problem that led me to have it in the first place, which was young people not being involved. And I started Voters of Tomorrow in December of 2019. And since then, we have grown so much. Uh, I, I now say my life is a sitcom just because it's a series of weird things happening one after another. It is very situational comedy-like. And now we're here. You had Abby Clements, Sari Beth Rosenberg, um, who are co-founders with me of Teachers Unified to End Gun Violence. And I was Yes. And I was there too um, at the Voters of Tomorrow Summit in August of 22. Why did you feel it was important to include us? And why does that teacher voice matter? For sure. Yeah. I mean, first of all, I felt the need to include you because you all are phenomenal and are doing phenomenal work. And the more exposure that we can bring to it, the better. Uh, But second of all, like, I, I really do deeply believe that teachers are creating the next generation of democracy defenders, right? Like, Our Voters of Tomorrow's entire mission is to help young people fight for freedom, fight for democracy, and fight for the values that we all hold dear. And all of that starts with our schools. It starts with our teachers. It starts with the people that instill those values in us and instills the urge to fight for them. And through all of your work, you've tapped into that energy inside the classroom to not only educate people, 
but also raise these very important concerns about how unsafe it is to be in a school, not just for the students, but also for the teachers. And we share that as young people and as teachers, we share that fear that whenever a balloon pops, we all jump because we never know what it is. Because we've all, even if we haven't been in a school shooting ourselves, have some sort of shared PTSD just from going through active shooter drills and from knowing people that have. And that fixing that problem is not something that young people can be alone. It's going to take their teachers, it's going to take our parents, and it's going to take a really broad coalition of people that want to put, I say this a lot, you've heard me say this before, but people who are willing to put second graders above the Second Amendment and protect the lives of kids and protect sort of the sanctity of the classroom. I have about 52,000 questions that stem from everything you just said. <laughs> Maybe not 52,000, but I can take 52. It's fine. We'll compromise. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So we'll start with Sari because she is on the Voters of Tomorrow advisory board. So I love her. Yes, as do I. So what role does she play in terms of gun reform, gun violence prevention, and that teacher voice? Because clearly, and this is no shade against Sari, she is not in the demographic that your organization serves. Neither am Don't I. Don't remind her. She's going to she's gonna come I know, knocking she's, on my door asking for the honorary Gen C certificate that I promised gonna, her months ago. She's going to fight me because I just said all of that. But like, <laughs> what <laughs> what role does she play? Obviously, as an organization of young people, we don't know everything. And we don't have the connections that a lot of people have. We don't have the experience that a lot of people have. And when we were starting, we wanted to make sure that we were tapping into as many knowledgeable people in our network. And Sari, we had worked with her for our 2020 campaign with Promise Polls. And she had been phenomenal because she had not only helped us kind of talk about how a teacher could use these materials in her classroom, but also had kind of opened our eyes to the world of being an activist while being an educator and fighting for what it's right, maybe not in the classroom, but using the classroom. As we were sort of building the advisory board, we really wanted voices that had that experience that we didn't and that had that knowledge really that all of us were lacking. And Sari was such a clear choice because not only is she amazing at everything she does, but also because she has, even though she is an honorary Gen Seer and not a full Gen Seer, she has that really good understanding of young people, largely based through her students and the way that she interacts with them. And she had been able to use that to really sort of translate between some of the older people that we were talking to and us being a bunch of freshly minted high school graduates and being 18. And that was such a valuable thing for us because the wall that we sort of kept running into is we were talking about all of these things, but no one really understood what we were talking about. So as an advisor, both Sari and all the other phenomenal people that sit on our advisory board, we really try and tap into anything that they, anything and everything that they know whenever it's relevant and whenever we need help. And that means going to her to ask questions about education policy. That means going to ask her questions about active shooter drills and about gun reform. It means going to her and just being like, hi, this is happening. I don't know how to deal with this. Please help. And she and everyone else on the board has just done such a great job at always being available for us, at 
always sort of, even if they don't have the answer to our question, helping us and pointing us in the right direction. Again, I mean, I, I was just talking about teachers and how important that is, right? And that she's teaching, whether she's teaching her students in the classroom or whether she's teaching like me and my team and all the people that we work with outside the classroom. I love that because that's what she's always doing. All of the students who were on campus when the shooting happened at my school in 2018, all of the students who were on campus when Sandy Hook happened in 2012, every school shooting in between and the school shootings since mine, all of those, well, they're not kids anymore, but all of those kids are... I was going to say, I remember going out for a beer with a few of them. I, 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 don't, I don't think you can call <laughs> right. kids anymore. To me, they're kids. But all of the, <laughs> the young adults and adults, they are all in your demographic. Like those are the people you're looking for. For me, by the time this airs, my son will have turned 18. His birthday is this coming Monday. And he is... Happy early birthday to you, Pam. Well, thank you. You know, he and his contemporaries are part of this demographic. So without getting super political, although you and I can do that offline, (laughs) (laughs) what can the youth vote do in terms of legislation, like making a difference in this next election cycle and beyond? For sure. Listen, I think through my work, I've had sort of the luck of meeting so many of the people that have been impacted and have done phenomenal great sense, right? And whether that's meeting people survivors or meeting people who knew the victims. And whether it's family, I I, I know Fred Gutenberg and I know Jamie was a student at your school. Uh, I'm, I'm friends with Sam Schwartz, who I know lost his cousin. And We've had multiple times this conversation about how are we fixing it? Because Gen Z is graduating, right? Like our time in schools is slowly, but it's definitely coming to an end. And I think we all share the goal that even though we didn't fix it for us, we can't allow another generation to go through sort of the same shared trauma of living in a society where like, Every other week, you pick up your phone and see a notification from CNN that says there's been another school shooting. And the answer really is we just have to elect the people who are willing to do that. We saw it in 2018 when March for Our Lives, mostly led by your students, and that entire movement led to record high youth voter turnout in the midterm. We saw it in 2020 when we broke another record and had almost half of the legible voters over 30 go out and vote. I think it was exactly half, actually. We saw it in 2022 that had a, an almost record high turnout for a midterm, only behind 2018. And what we've seen is as we get more people elected that are fighting for this, we see the ball start rolling. I think we we got Joe Biden elected and we got the first gun violence prevention bill in almost 30 years through Congress. We got Maxwell Frost elected. And the first thing that he did was go lobby the White House to get an office of gun violence prevention that now exists. And as we get more really people who are prioritizing our safety into office and get rid of all the people that have been bought by the NRA, we're going to get 
more and more progress. I, I know Joe Biden is going around saying that if he gets a reelected and if he gets a trifecta, we are going to ban, ban assault weapons, which is something that would have prevented so many of these shootings. We know that in state legislatures, we are seeing movement even in Tennessee, right, where we had the Tennessee three after a shooting. We saw that there was actual consideration for a bill. And listen, I think there's a lot of NRA people that ended up blocking it, but there was energy and there was momentum. And it's sad that we can only get momentum for these things after a shooting. But if that if we're tapping into that energy to get rid of all the people that are standing in the way and to elect people who are going to fight for us, that is something that only young people can do. And it's not just because we're the affected ones, but it's because we have so much time left. And we have, again, we have to we have to protect the next generation, but we are the ones that are now 50% of the electorate. And we are the ones that are going to decide who gets into power and who doesn't. Not just for the next few elections, but for a lot of them. And we can make that decision. We can elect the people that are going to fight for us. I saw something on Instagram this morning, and I know you shared it on your story. Um, the statistic that 57% of young people say they're, quote, extremely likely to vote in 2024. And while that's great, it should be 100%. Like everyone who's eligible to vote should go out and vote. But Listen, if I could wave a wand and I make know. it 100%. So with this 57% and thinking about my son, who's a senior, and all of his friends who are already 18 and certainly will be turning 18 by the the election in November. Like, how do you see educators and young people collaborating on the issue of gun violence? Yeah, I think we, we just have to fight. And we, we are stronger when we are together, right? Like, we just have to continue standing up and making sure that our voices are heard, that our demands that we will not get you elected unless you're willing to stand up to the gun lobby and protect children. We have to keep doing that. And we have to keep doing it because it's literally our life at stake. We have 10 months to go, right? Or depending on when this this comes out, probably less than that. To mobilize so many young people to show up that they, even if they try to deny the results of the election or suppress their votes, that they can't get away with it. And we know they're scared and we know that they realize this because they are all over the country trying really hard to suppress a youth vote. They are trying to take away polling places from college campuses. They are trying to change voter ID laws because they know that when young people vote, they lose. And with teachers energizing their classrooms, not about any political candidate or about any political issue, but just about civic participa participation itself, it gives us that momentum that we need to get young people out to vote. And listen, people might have disagreements on things. People might not be entirely happy with the choices, and I get that. But at the end of the day, there's so much at stake that we don't get the luxury of voting for a perfect person. That person doesn't exist. We have to make a choice out of two options. And we all know who is going to prioritize young people, who is going to fight for us, and who isn't. I have a my answer to that question. Other people might have different answers to that question. But it's a question that we all need to ask ourselves and carry with us into the polling place on November 5th.
You mentioned teachers encouraging civic participation. I am an English teacher. Clearly, you know, civics is not part of <laughs> part of my curriculum. However, leading up to and in an election year, I will always get on my soapbox and I don't make it partisan, but I always tell the kids because they still are kids. If you are 18, if you will be 18 by, you know, November, whatever, please, 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 you know, vote in the primary, participate in Election Day. If you can't vote on that Tuesday, then go vote early in any of the early voting locations. Please get out there and do this. Like you have the right to vote. And especially given who we are here and what happened to us and what has continued to happen in the six years since, I'm like, you all cannot just sit idly by and not participate. So just know that a five foot tall English teacher in Florida <laughs> is encouraging your kids to vote. Um, we need we need those stickers, just like you know those stickers that say like this laptop fights fascism. We we need those stickers. This five foot teacher fights fascism. Listen, I will design them if you can get them printed. We'll make a good <laughs> team. Staying in the same vein at, with young people, how do you and your friends? And I know you didn't spend your formative years in the states, but how do you and your friends and your peers process? the pervasive issue of gun violence. Because I know when we came to the summit in 22, you had Mia Tretta there, who is a survivor, an injured survivor from Saugus High School in California. So like, how do you all process these things? Can I curse it here? I don't care. Great. We're scared shitless. There's really no other answer to that. Like that we, we are, we're scared shitless. And like when I use the example of everyone jumping when they hear a balloon pop, it is not an exaggeration, right? Even when I was in high school, my, my high school didn't have an active shooter. Still, every time if I was sitting next to the theater class and like a piece of wood that they were using to build a stage fell down, we all jumped. Everyone for 30 seconds after this sound, we were all frozen waiting to hear what happened next. And that is not normal. That is not how it should be. For context, like you said, I, I spent my formative years in Mexico. Mexico had one active shooter in 2017, one school shooter. It was such a big deal and so uncommon that even though it was in a different state and no one in my school knew any of the victims, they brought in psychologists to ask us how we were doing and processing this. Because it is so rare, because it doesn't happen. Meanwhile, in the US, like it can happen in the school right next to you and you're just expected to show up because it happens every other day. All of us know someone who's been impacted. I, I probably know an uncommon amount of people because of what I do, but every single person that I talk to knows someone or knows of someone who was injured or survived a shooting or maybe died in a shooting. And when we think about uh, gun reform, when we think about gun violence prevention, we're not talk thinking about politics. We're not thinking whether there's an R next to your name or there's a D next to your name. We're not thinking about the specifics of what, oh, the Second Amendment says we have the rights to bear arms. 
We're thinking about what it means to be a student that has lived through that. We're thinking about how what it means to be scared every time you hear a balloon pop. We're thinking about how we make sure that no other generation has to go through a school through an active shooter drill where maybe you don't know if it's a drill or not. Because I've had those and they are terrifying. And we we think about all the times that we came close, right? Like someone was arrested at my school with a gun. What they were gonna do with it, who knows? But every time we heard anything about it, it was like we were so close to being another stat in this massive list of schools that has survived shooting. And we think about how we're going to fix it. We think about how we're going to turn out young voters to fix it. We think about how we're going to talk to other voters to fix it. We think about how we're honestly going to cyber bully our politicians to fix it. We, we want to be, again, the last generation that has to come to this. And like, we're already failing at that. We are already already seeing Gen Alpha, which is the next generation after Gen C, which makes me feel old. We're seeing them start to go through this. And we're seeing shooters in elementary school in which it's not even Gen C anymore. It's a generation after us. And the fact that we're going into another generation already weights so much on all of our shoulders that we can't allow it to be the entire generation. We need to set a line and say, Gen Z lived through this. No one else is going to. There have been suggestions to arm teachers, probably before the shooting at my school, but definitely as a result of the shooting at my school. I have shared this on the podcast before, but a week after I was on CNN opposite the sheriff from Ohio and he was like on team arm teachers. And I stood there all five feet of me. You know, I'm like, please tell me how a handgun would have kept me safe from an AR-15 if the gunman had an- had opened my classroom and entered. And then there are all of these other things. You know, what if a student gets a hold of my gun? What if I shoot the wrong person? You know, what if, what if, what if? What if and the police I, shoots you? Yes. Like there are just so many things. And then I think about, you know, at my school, I talked about this a few episodes ago with Mei Ling Hosheng, who was one of my students um, and was in the building the day of the shooting at our school. There were, I think when she was at Douglas, there were like 400 African-American students on campus, plus, you know, other students of color. So this idea of arming teachers, the impact that will have on students of color is just like, I can't even wrap my head around this. So as a person of color, how do you view this suggestion to arm teachers and like the impact it will have on young people. And then piggybacking on that, how would you like to see teachers more involved on this issue? This is such a difficult question because the premise of it is so dumb, right? Like everyone knows, we all love our teachers, but everyone knows a bad teacher. I I got into a 40 minute screaming match with my English teacher once. Which ironically is because she didn't think immigrants should be involved in politics, but it's like, oh ho, I'm so sorry. That type of person, that she was not a like honestly a sane individual. Like 
this is the same woman that the first week of class, when a student fell from his chair, started screaming at him, calling him a stupid baby. This is not someone who should have a gun, whether they're a teacher or not. Do you really want to have those type of people waving a gun when there's a crisis? Because many times, like, you don't know if there's a shooting. You're lost in sort of the chaos. You're lost in the confusion. And, like, I can tell you, when we went into lockdown and we didn't know if it was a drill, if a door had swung open and that teacher had had a gun, someone would have ended up dead or very badly injured because you never know what is actually happening. Also, because teachers are not trained to do that. And because they are not paid enough to do that. Like putting everything else aside, teachers are already doing so much more than they are paid for. Like, do we also want them to serve as like bodyguards now? It is insane and it is useless. And we know it's useless because even trained people cannot stop shootings when they happen. We saw it in Uvalde, right? We saw it at your school where there was an armed officer and what what did he and the officer Duvaldi do? Nothing. They they let it happen. Do we really think that a terrified teacher who can only think about their students is going to be any better at this than someone who you would expect would be a trained professional? It is just adding more risk to the situation when like police open up and a teacher shoots them and they return fire and you end up with students and a teacher and a cop injured. You're only adding for the potential of, like you said, a student grabbing the gun and going to the bathroom and accidentally shooting someone. It adds another whole layer of risk and it doesn't solve anything. To your second question of what we should be doing instead and what teachers should be doing instead. We need more teachers like you and like Sarah Ari and like Abby. We need teachers who are willing to use their voice to call for common sense gun reform, to call for common sense background checks to call for cracking down on the illegal weapons trade and to ban assault weapons. Because we know which guns are being used in school shootings. It's not a secret. We all know which weapons they are and where people are getting them from. And the best way to get rid of a school shooter is to take the thing that they're using to shoot. I think about all these extra weapons potentially being on campus and how that would make students who have a history of abuse and domestic violence, students of color, any teachers who have been in the military, you know, and have PTSD from that. Like, I just think about all these extra guns being on campus and how stupid and unsafe it is. But when I was on opposite the sheriff, I asked him, and you can look up the clip, I think it's called Angry Teacher Yells at Sheriff, something like that. <laughs> <laughs> I asked him, like, where is all of this money coming from suddenly to provide me with a gun to train <laughs> me when I haven't gotten a raise in like at that point in about eight years? I'm not exaggerating. And I have to buy my own school supplies. But like all teachers I think do. My favorite, my favorite tweet probably ever was we should start treating police officers like we treat teachers. Make them buy their own bullets the same way we make teachers buy their own markers and see if they're still shooting people. And obviously it's a joke. Obviously that's not the way to solve police violence, but it really like makes a good point, which is like, 
why aren't we paying teachers to buy to like buy their school supplies, right? Like why aren't this why isn't school buying their school supplies? And if they're not, why are they teachers not getting more money to do that? And also, if you're adding all of these extra responsibilities and you can find the money to be providing weapons and training, where has that money been? Exactly. Because people have been asking for it. The, the education system is falling apart. We can't find teachers. There's there's not enough teachers. And that's largely because teachers are not paid well enough. And like, I admire all of you that do it really out of like love. Because listen, I will say TA, my senior year of high school, I am a strong believer that we should be giving teachers an unlimited, unlimited money check for dealing <laughs> with that bullshit. <laughs> There's a, a sketch that he and Peel had done. I don't know if you saw it. It was like the teacher draft. And they were talking about teachers the way that they talk about NBA, NFL, like any professional athlete and how much the schools were fighting over them the way that the teams fight over the athletes. And there was this one, one teacher in this draft and they were saying how much money the teacher was going to get, like how many millions and like made a point of saying that the teacher had grown up not in poverty, but like definitely like middle class, lower middle class. Right. And the parents were like professional athletes, like completely flipping the script. And a couple of years at like our first week of school, like pep rally thing that they do for us before they let us loose with the children. Like the principal played this and it's hilarious, but it's true. So you're not going to pay me. You want to arm me with students in my classroom. Like it makes I, no sense. It's it, like it's literally laughable. in every way it makes no sense. But there are people who are just doubling down on this. And I don't understand. And I don't think I will well, ever let's understand. Be, let's be honest about why people are doubling down on it. Right. Because at the end of the day, the NRA makes money when more people has guns have guns. The there's trade there's trade unions that are made up of gun manufacturers that lobby politicians for bills to arm teachers. Why? Because someone someone has to sell those guns. Whoever is making them are are probably part of this trade union. It is a purely economical incentive to do this because. Everyone knows it makes no sense. I mean, it is laughable on their face. The only reason you're arguing for this is if you're benefiting for it. And the only people that benefit from something like this are the shareholders and gun manufacturers. And it's like, I was going to say Wayne LaPierre, rip Wayne LaPierre at yeah, the NRA. Really. Thoughts and prayers. Uh, but <laughs> thoughts and prayers. <laughs> but like the NRA and like that type of people that really don't represent your average Joe who has a rifle to go hunting. They represent the gun nuts that want everyone in everywhere to have a gun because they, they make money off it. It's ridiculous. All of that aside, I know <laughs> that you, you graduated from college recently. So mazel tov for that. Thank you, you. have moved cross country, although I feel like you were on the East Coast more than you were on the West Coast. But what are your plans now? Like for the future, the the immediate, like what are you up to? I'm going to be entirely honest. My current plans end on November, on November 6th. 
<laughs> I don't know what is happening on November 6th. I just want to get through it. Okay, so take me up through November 6th. <laughs> Obviously, there's a very big election coming. And unbeknownst to me, at some point, Voters of Tomorrow became an actual player in the political space. We are now something that people listen to, uh, both people in power and voters. We are now a trusted ally for people in Congress, the White House, people in the Senate. And we are a trusted messenger for young people. And the way we have done that really is, again, I, I don't know when it happened, but I can tell you why it happened. And it's because our three goals have remained largely consistent. We want to educate young people about what is happening. We want to engage them in the process of it happening. And we want to represent them in the process. And we have marched into every room that we've ever marched in with those goals in mind. Whenever we talk to young people, the goal isn't to persuade them to vote for one candidate or another, but to let and give them the information they need to make their own decisions. When we do a rally and a lobby for uh, legislation, it's not what I think or what my team thinks. It's about what Gen Z thinks. And when we talk to politicians because of it, they they know that what we're saying is a the true consensus of our generation. So all that to say, we have a very important role to play in turning out the most critical constituency for the election. Because whether you're a Democrat or a Republican or an independent or however, wherever you fall in the ideological spectrum, young people will determine who wins this election and not just presidential, but every office down ballot. Gen Z and millennials are now half of the electorate. That gives us the power to not just elect our candidates, but to shape their agendas and to shape the agendas of the people that they're, they're going to be working with. And over the next 10 months, we really are going to be making unprecedented investments in young people because we want young people to know that we care about their vote. We're going to be working with our allies, whether they're organizations like Teachers Unify or the campaigns of candidates that we've endorsed to make sure that they are also engaging young people and talking to young people. We're going to work with all the people that signed our Youth Vote Champion Pledge, which if, if there's any elected official listening, go to VotersUpTomorrow.org and let's sign that pledge, buddy. Let's get it rolling because that pledge promises to go to meet young people where they are and not just pretend you're listening, but actually bring them into the room where decisions are being made and actually give them the ability to talk to you about policy. Not, not as annoying kids, but as actual policy advice. So we're going to be working with all of them to make sure that continues happening. And we've got a few uh, fun projects in the works. Uh, we have so many events that I'm going to be very excited to hopefully see you, Sarah, at. Ooh, I would love we that. We have so many, like, completely new and things that, like, I don't think have ever been done before to put political information in front of people. We have some very fun and interesting campaigns. We're going to go back to continuing to distribute banned books and so many more really fun things. Because the way you turn out young people, right, is by making it fun and making it accessible. So we have so many fun things planned that I, I can't talk about yet, but are going to be rolled out over the next few months. And we are very confident we'll be successful in turning out Gen Z. As a Gen Xer, I wish that this organization or 
you know, the 1990s equivalent existed <laughs> when I was turning 18. My first election was a midterm election. And I wish that I had something like this. And I wish that my peers were as politically minded and politically motivated as I was. But moreover, as you and all of your peers are, because it clearly has made a difference. And you all are out there boots on the ground, doing the work, which is so, so important. I also appreciate how much you not only support Teachers Unify, but teachers in general, because although we knew each other, we actually met for the first time at an AFT conference, and you came off of some crazy 20 gajillion hour flight <laughs> And landed at like three o'clock in the morning. Somehow you would think with how much I travel, I would have beaten that horror story by now. I have not. No, like I think you honestly took like 12 flights to get to Boston and got in at some absurd hour in the middle of the night and had to be up to speak at eight o'clock in the morning to a room <laughs> of tired teachers. But you did it and you held their attention and you spoke the good word and you shared your message and you said that we are educating the next generation. But I think what you and your your peers and, you know, your voters of tomorrow colleagues are doing is educating us because, you know, I've always been political. And of course, I can only speak for myself. I have always put on election night coverage. We make it into a, a party here at the house. We get pizza and we get cookies and the kids and my husband and I will sit and watch the returns come in. You know, I've worked really hard as a parent to make civic engagement something important. When I was pregnant with my daughter, and this was for the 08 election, my son was almost two and I took him in the little umbrella stroller to go vote for Obama. And I have taken the kids to vote with me every single time because I think it's important. And I remember going to vote with my mom when my brother and I were little. Like, I think it's important. But to hear to hear someone so young who is an immigrant who started this organization, you know, speak to a room full of teachers it was outstanding. And you, the work that you have done, and I, I don't mean to gush, but the work that you have done, <laughs> I've seen it you in mean action. To gush, but I am going to blush. Uh, you should, and I will continue gushing. <laughs> I, have, <laughs> I have witnessed this firsthand, the summit that you were nervous about in Boston, that you put on <laughs> like three, four weeks later when I saw you again <laughs> in Philly, and the turnout and the speakers you had, you know, Abby, Sari and I aside, I know you had a summit over this past summer because Sari was there. And one of my former students, Logan Rubenstein, was there and I had him on the podcast recently. Like your outreach to the youth vote is so, so great. And I know that the work that you and the organization will continue to do will not only elect lawmakers who actually care about gun violence and gun reform and legislation that will positively impact education, but it will 
help to make those changes long term, not just something for this administration and then the next one undoes everything. And that is something that should be applauded because this all came from a kid from Mexico, which is <laughs> awesome, honestly. Even though my even though my former English teacher uh, is in the shadows, uh, raging at the fact that an immigrant has political opinion. You know what? I'm an English teacher. I would never <laughs> have said that to you. Honestly, though, like first of all, thank you for everything you just said. Uh, I, I I need to I need to flip it because really the only reason that me or anyone else in Voters of Tomorrow and really anyone else in the Gen C space is able to do what we do is because we had phenomenal educators. And because we had people in our high schools and our middle schools and our colleges who, when we had an idea, wouldn't shoot it down and would encourage us to build it up. Voters of Tomorrow would not be where it is if my college professors had not been lenient to me and let me travel uh, one every other class. Yeah, I always wondered about yeah. that. <laughs> Because I think you were out of class more than you were actually in class. Honestly, probably. <laughs> but like, again, like it, it goes to show like the only reason why I've been able to do what I have is because of professors that supported it. And the only reason why I really have this sort of the skills that I do and that my team has the amazing skills that they do is because when they were in school and many of them still are, they had professors and teachers who encouraged them rather than shut them down. And I think you're talking about our generation. I want to talk about your generation of teachers because you all have also gone through some shit. And instead of becoming angry and kind of taking it out of the kids, you've built up our hopes of being able to build a better future. And really, like like I said at the beginning, you're you're creating the next generation of democracy defenders. You're creating the people that are going to continue to fight for their values because that's what they learned in school. And I think there is no job more important than being the people that help shape the future. And you and Sari and Abby and all my teachers and all the amazing teachers out there are doing that. I would argue your point. But you're absolutely right. Teachers, <laughs> teachers are amazing. <laughs> I've been they doing really this. Are. I've been doing this a long time. This is year 22 for me. And I think I have about eight to 10 left until I am eligible to retire. It is a passion. It is something we do because we care. We are not in it for the money, although I wish we were. I wish that Key and Peel skit was correct. <laughs> But I just want to I want to thank you for joining us and for all of the work that you have done and that you will continue to do up through November 6th. And I hope that on November 7th, you are putting yourself on a plane or a big cruise ship somewhere and that you don't move for like a week at least. That's the plan right now. November 7th, probably November 7th, because we might not know who who's president on November 6th. But November 7th, I'm on a plane to a beach somewhere. I'm going to sip margaritas from the beach uh, for about two weeks. And then we have to come back and get all the legislation that we've been fighting for for so long passed with the people that we elected in November. I, I will rest beforehand, I promise. You have earned every single margarita <laughs> and every <laughs> grain of sand you find when you get back home.
Thank you for listening. Don't forget to follow Teachers Unify to End Gun Violence on Instagram and threads at Teachers Unify and follow the podcast on both platforms at Teachers Unify PC.